you're listening to Relatable Roles, where the apocalypse is already here, or forthcoming. Who knows? I am your host, who has been mispronouncing the title of uh, today's episode's uh, game for several years now, uh, Max Starwich. And as always, I am joined by my fellow uh, Prophet of Doom, Claire Higginbottom. How are you doing today, Claire? Hi. I wasn't sure how my introduction was going to go, but Prophet of Doom is actually a pretty big compliment, so thank you. <laughs> Got it. I, it took me a while to think of something thematic uh, for today's episode. So um, many, many years ago when we started, <laughs> it feels like many, many years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> many, many years ago when we started um, Relatable Roles, we did a session zero where we were explaining a system. In that case, it was Delta Green. So uh, in the efforts of trying to give you, the listener, more diverse content, we're looking at another game today, just kind of talking about how it works and what it's all about. So today we are talking about Merkborg. So it is a it is it is described as a a pitch black apocalyptic fantasy RPG about lost souls and fools seeking redemption, forgiveness, or the last remaining riches in a bleak and dying land. Uh, before we get into this, the the reason I picked Merkborg for us to look at today is um, before the podcast even started, Claire, you and I were playing Dungeons and Dragons together. Yes, we were. Yes, I, I can, I'm not sure if we mentioned that, like, when we started the A million times, we 100% did. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if so, you were being facetious or not, then I realized you are being serious, and it's like, no, we yeah, definitely I, talked yeah, about it. Probably, probably. <laughs> and whenever I'm trying to explain to people, like, what this podcast is, I'm like, oh, uh, it's, you know, like Dungeons & Dragons, but we, but we don't play that game. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that's nothing against that game, that's just that there's other things, you know, for us to play, so... You having a little bit of background with D&D, I figured like, oh, let's look at Merkborg and see how, or, you know, compare and contrast or what your thoughts on it are. Uh, so do you want to start, start us off talking about who this game is from? Um, well, first of all, I do want to say that a major thing in my pro column for this game is that it's it lends itself to being pronounced like Swedish chef. Uh, pretty much right off the bat, because while I was reading the book, I kept going, Merkborg, and that <laughs> brought me so much serotonin on this, the Monday of all Mondays, that it's it's hard for me to totally, you know, put into words how much I appreciate the game's creators for making, you know, the bleakest possible game something that still made me smile and laugh. Um, yeah, yeah, uh... This 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 game very much like is self aware of what it is, and it's like it's a bleak, you know, apocalyptic fantasy game, but it's also like they they're 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 taking the piss. They they there there's some exactly. humor to it. So, um, Max, I'm going to let you read the names of these games creators because I respect them too much to mispronounce their names on a permanent form of recording. <laughs> Okay, so direct all that hate towards me. Uh, so Merkborg, which is Swedish for Dark Fort, um, is from the mines at um, Occult um, Ortmister Games uh, and, and Stockholm Cartel. Uh, it's um, designed uh, original text, and the ideas are from Pell Nilsson. And the graphic design and artwork, which was going to take up a lot of this uh, kind of review, is by Johan Noor. And there's also a couple of public domain images. Uh, the English writing and creative consult consultation was done by Patrick Stewart. Uh, not that Patrick Stewart, the one you're thinking of, a different Patrick Stewart. The name, the last name spelled differently, um, as is, this game was first made in Sweden. Uh, so Which Claire, 100% makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. if you'd shown me this game and been like, what was the original language that this game was in like swedish norwegian any of those kind of nordic languages would have been first on the list by far <laughs> yeah yeah so claire what's your first impression of this game when i said like hey let's let's read through this quick little book i'm like i'm honestly pretty blown away um a lot of my notes here are just i love this i love that i love this which we'll go into kind of as we go through the book um it's definitely the most beautifully presented RPG I've seen maybe ever. Um, sometimes it's to its own detriment. There were a few pages that I found difficult to parse through just because it was so beautifully displayed and the font was so crazy and the words were spread so far over the page that it got a little bit difficult to read some of the backstory portions. Um, all of like the 
statistics and dice roll um, results were very easy to read, but some of like the actual story portion um, was a little bit difficult at times. But I would not, um, I would not com- use it as a complaint. I just sometimes the the how it's portrayed makes it a little bit difficult to comprehend, but would not change it at all because it's gorgeous. Um, I mean, I know we're going to go into a lot of the nitty gritty as we go through it, but just on my first read through, I was blown away by one, how simple it is to kind of just pick up and play basically immediately after reading the book um, and how just fun it was to go through. A lot of times, um, you know, rule books, especially for RPGs, are like hefty novels you could press flowers with. Um, Mm -hmm. And this one was just, it was like reading a really cool graphic novel as opposed to a dry rule book with 20 different annexes and annotations and appendices. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're looking, we're, for purposes of this review, we're reading it um, on the PDFs right now, but um, uh, Stockholm Cartel um, and um, Occult Ordmaster Games Recently, also uh, finished their Kickstarter for Cyborg, which which is the cyberpunk version of this, kind of based on um, uh, the, the same rule set that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, this was one of the add-ons, but I got both of those in physical copies, at, which will arrive at my house at some point because this this is one of the most beautiful RPG products I've ever looked at. Um, I mean, you 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 said it perfectly. Of like, their their RPG rule books are typically like they're not the most fun things to read. They're fun to imagine like what you can do with them. But from just looking at this book, you get the idea of like, this is what this game is. And yeah, um, yeah like I, I'm excited to, to like have a, have us have this like in physical form. Cause it just, it's just fun to look at, you know, it's one of those, like I can put it out on my coffee table and I can see someone being like, Oh, what's that? And kind of like paging through it. And they're not going to be bombarded with text. They're going to have like this weird art and over 100 different fonts, <laughs> um, which is I'm, I'm not exaggerating. That's what yes. it says in, in the in the credits. So, um, so let's get this show on the road. Um, from the from the beginning, very distinct cover. Love this this yellow cover with this weird skeleton guy. Um, you don't see a lot of like yellow covers either in books or comics or definitely not in RPGs. So it definitely catches the eye. Yeah, the, the only like the, the best way to describe the color is like Watchmen smiley face yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And this is and... way more entertaining to read than the Watchmen. That's my <laughs> spicy take of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, you got some random tables. This game loves random tables, which I think is well suited to uh, what it's. Uh, you know, trying to do, you got, you know, your, your name generator, because as people will know, I am terrible with names and they're all vaguely Swedish sounding, you know, occult treasures, traps, weather, corpse plundering. Yeah. Uh, before um, we, sk- some of these occult treasures are the best things I've ever read. Um, I wrote the note of like the, the black crown of the crippled King mm-hmm. is just mind bendingly amazing. <laughs> um, I think yeah. that one's my favorite. I also do love the silver bird cage. That will um, kill whatever is placed behind the bars slowly over a period of a, an entire day, mm-hmm. but then it comes back as something uncontrollably undead. Like I was just fascinated reading all of these occult treasures, but those two were my major standouts: were the the crown and the birdcage. <laughs> yeah, uh, the famine spoon is what is the is what caught my eye because it's very simple. It's like one taste from this famine spoon means death from slow starvation no rules text of like what happens mechanically each day but just being like yeah you're gonna die <laughs> from yeah. from starvation and like that's all <laughs> that's it there's no you know paragraph of backstory or you know here's how to keep track of it it's just like well yeah it, it kind of like uh you know it, it explains itself so yeah <laughs> uh so moving on um little footnote that i really really liked is um music that helped which is just a list of like um, sludge metal and post rock and like drone bands that 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 the designers were listening to um, while developing this game. There's some bands here that I recognize: Godspeed, Black Emperor, of course, uh, Earth, Sun O. Um, I assume a lot of these bands are Swedish or or Norwegian or Scandinavian metal because a lot of them I don't recognize, but 
with uh with with names like Dark Throne and Dragged Into Sunlight, this like th- those just sound like bands that would be doing the soundtrack uh, for this for this game. Yeah, everything everything feels very on brand. <laughs> yeah. Um. So after this this nice little title page, uh, Claire, do you want to read this little uh, opening? Like the first thing you read in the in the in the book. Yes. The wind from the west, from the sundered land, rot rides it, and the stench of blood. Cursed walker, will you travel there? Go to the valley of the unfortunate undead? Our young ones are taken by the child thief Turgol, known for his vile crimes and alchemy of flesh. Yeah, and there's a couple of other paragraphs that kind of like setting things. It sounds like what you would hear in the beginning of a, of a, like, of a From Software like Dark Souls game. Yeah. Like, you get this like... Like this very effective paragraph of just being like, this is like the fantasy world that you're in, and it's like immediately you get the uh, kind of the background of this. Yeah, it, it uh, almost setting. feels like yeah, like what if Disco Elysium happened in like 16th century feudalism with bad kingdomship? Yeah, yeah, like the worst game of Crusader Kings ever ran. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. As you know, we have this very vibrant pink. What was written must be known, which is probably about ten paragraphs over a, over a handful of pages. Being like, "All right, here's the world. It's dying." And I, oh. I will say, with that, that's I kind of have a note that I put regarding the settings. Like the settings are amazing. I like that there are kind of four distinct areas that all are in their different form of ruin. Um, and I agree, there doesn't need to be a ton of backstory and kind of all of these different settings. Um, but I can see how something that like, kind of stark and condensed might be difficult for like someone new to GMing games. Because, um, you know, if you're experienced in, in running these kind of games, there's a lot of blanks that you can kind of fill in as you go with, you know, backstories and certain people that you may or may not interact with. Mm-hmm. Um but for someone maybe just starting out, the the lack of information might make it a little bit difficult for someone new to kind of create a more in-depth setting for the actual adventure to take place in. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I will say that they kind of address that in Cyborg, but we'll, I, I, I want to refrain from talking about yeah. that because that's sort of the like, all right, here's where the lessons learned kind of things. But right. Um, but yeah, moving like, on. I feel like, totally off base for pointing that out. That I feel <laughs> cool. No, no, but no, that that is totally you. That is a totally justifiable thing because you know, like, like coming up with adventures is hard, even for yeah. me who who has been running games for a long time. That's why I don't do a lot of my own custom scenarios. I have a lot of half baked ones, but, um, but uh, yeah, like that that is the that is a definite um struggle, and the game does some things to uh kind of address that or give you some story hooks. Yeah, which uh, is is the next part of the book, which is the the calendar of Nethrubel, which is a list of miseries that happen. The world is eventually going to end. That's how kind of how your campaign ends, and uh, based off of how long of a campaign you want to have, you know, you can be you know years of pain, a bleak half year, um, you know, a month, couple days, and there's this. Um, page of psalms they're list that are listed like like if it's from an actual bible like it looks like 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 a bible printing of just various bad things that happen to the land and they're they're all just like very like one sentence uh descriptions of things that happened for five days and five nights mother's flesh shall be the cloak of demons don't know what that means but sounds badass yeah (laughs) the lake and brook shall blacken and the water become tar Okay, yeah, not good, not good. And then eventually the, the the final psalm is always the same, which is like the the end of the world pretty much kind of thing. And uh then the game goes right into character creation. As far as mechanically, the best way I would describe Merkborg as D20 with minimal fuss. Yeah. D20 being just the most common role-playing game uh system i would say that's what dungeons and dragons is based off of and countless other games that have come in its wake it's the system everyone knows uh you roll the dice you add a number there's a value that you have to beat if, if you beat it you succeed if you fail you don't 
So what's different about Merkborg in comparison with uh, D&D is everything is random rolled for character generation, which is kind of like a very old school way of doing things that a lot of people don't, a lot of systems don't have anymore because it might incur bad fun or not, you know, suboptimal characters. But I think for this like ruined wretched land, it's very fitting. Yeah, because like a lot of times rolling for characters can make your characters very unbalanced. Mm-hmm. But in in this game, like it's the characters are unbalanced by design, which I think is brilliant. Like the way you roll, like the especially rolling for things like HP, like your character is designed to be frail and they're easy to create. Therefore, you truly feel like all of the people in the setting are disposable because they're so easy kind of in game to replace and create new ones because they die so easily. Um, So I think the fact that, you know, you're creating these randomized characters, which can make them feel unbalanced. Like that's kind of the point, which I think is kind of hilarious and also brilliant that you're just making these, you know, disposable people to try and survive to the end of the world. And if they do, great. If they don't, here's another one. Yeah. So you basically, you start with a random amount of silver, which is, you know, the currency. The other holds a water skin with, and D4 is worth days of food, which you need water and food to uh, uh, live. And the water skin holds like four days of food. And then like a random um, rolls of, of stuff. So I, I randomly rolled on some starting gear and I got a donkey. N- not bad. Uh, let's see here. Uh, lantern with oil for um, yeah, a handful of hours. And a shield. Good for making me survive. <laughs> uh, and then you kind of go through randomizing your armor your, and your weapon, your ability points, uh, your hit points, and you name your character if you wish. It will not save you. This next page of, of the random weapons table, like this is, I think, one of my favorite favorite, favorite pages in the book. Just because it's like, uh, an entire page just says femur with a bone and a d4 <laughs> it's beautiful and then uh you know this this body being attacked by uh uh all the different kind of weapons in the game very gruesomely this game cares about like putting this effort into making this a visual thing as opposed to like having a, a little you know an orderly table with like here's how yeah. much it costs and here's how much the range is and and everything like that so and then you know a couple other equipment armor um armor doesn't make you harder to hit it makes you take less damage but armor is very expensive it can break it, and it makes some rolls harder and then your random other things that you would expect to see in a, a fantasy adventure game you know, if you wanted to have a, a ladder or um, a mirror and things. So one of the, I would say, big differences between uh, Merkborg and, I guess, D&D is how they handle abilities. So, you know, Claire, when we were playing D&D, you're like, oh, my character has a wisdom of 14. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, that means I get plus one to this and plus two to that and da 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 And Merkborg kind of starts off with that. But it's like after you've determined, like, what those bonuses are, you throw that 14 or that 15 or whatever you rolled away. You don't need it anymore. Because um, really, like, that 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 modifier is the um, most important thing about your character. Which yeah. I think is cool. Like, I haven't dealt... I haven't seen a game that just uses the bonuses as opposed to, like, your... The base levels, yeah. So, you know, four stats, agility, presence, strength, and toughness, which... I, pretty much do what you expect them to do. Strength is for hitting stuff in, in melee. Agility is for shooting things with a bow. Also for defending. Toughness is how how much hit points you have. And presence is like your your magic ability and your perception ability and, uh, you know, standard stuff. But I, I do like that. Just no one cares about the ability scores. Everyone wants the ability modifiers. So that's that's cool. You know, hit points, toughness plus D8. In worst case, one, but never less. <laughs> so this probably has to be the most concise RPG combat rules ever. You know, melee, test strength, roll above a 12. Range, test presence, roll above a 12. De- defense, test agility, roll above a 12. If you fail, the enemy hits you. Enemies attack once per round, unless otherwise noted. And, like, that's most of combat. Yeah, I love how basic combat is. Um... I love that it's, you know, player facing um, because like the GM doesn't really need to roll. They say that the roll is necessary, but then the player does everything else. Because I think that does like two really big things is that 
it it puts like the onus of surviving on the player where you're you know you're rolling to defend yourself so you actually feel like you messed something up if you get a bad roll which i think is mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. um and i also really like it's it's brutality um you know if if the gm is is being you know the uh, the attacking bad guy you know they're doing it behind a screen sometimes if the playable characters are really struggling maybe you fudge a roll or you put something into the story that makes them miss Mm -hmm. an attack or for some reason not attack since everything is out in the open and the players are rolling for their own defense like the gm can't help there is no like (laughs) yeah um like deus ex machina that can Mm -hmm. that can save someone so it makes the brutality very apparent which i think is awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so how this game handles i guess death and dying is you have your hp you get hit you take damage armor reduces the damage you take if you go to zero hp you don't die you become broken which could have you could possibly die or you might just lose a limb which is kind of fun because you know, you, you I, I like games to have kind of consequences or your characters to kind of develop, um, you know, the cost of adventuring and such. Uh, so that can kind of be fun. It's like, oh, I lost an eye because I got hit by that zombie that one time or, you know, <laughs> crits on 20s, fumbles on ones. You guys know what those do. Yeah. Uh, resting, you know, gets you some HP back. Uh, there's morale, which is always kind of fun. It's like, you know, at what point do uh, the enemies you know, stop fighting you, because it even says most enemies will not fight to the last drop of blood. Uh, so if if their leader is killed, or half the group is uh, eliminated, or the single enemy's down to a third of his HP left, you know, it's they either flee or surrender. Um, and then there's a basic, I guess, kind of level up, getting better or worse. Uh, so there's no real, like, XP, like there is in other games. It's um, at, at a, you know, a Time when the game master decides that characters should be improved after completing a scenario, killing mighty foes, or bringing home treasure, your uh, ability scores might go up, your HP might go up, your ability scores may, might also go down, um, which that's kind of interesting. Um, you might get nothing uh, from your uh, treasure you find. It might have all been, you know, worthless junk, or you might get a magic scroll. So it it, it makes it really tense, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the game has magic in the sense in the sense that there's uh scrolls of, you know, wondrous power and such. You have to test test to uh, presence like you would try to uh hit someone with a melee and your magic might work or it might go terribly wrong. Spells are uh pretty straightforward, you know, produce some lightning bolts, summon some skeletons. Nothing that requires more than a sentence of explanation. Some of them are more um, out-of-combat stuff, like you may speak with animals for d20 minutes, ask three questions to a deceased creature. Yeah, just kind of standardy kind of stuff. Yeah, I think my favorite is Unmet Fate, which is one creature dead for no more than a week is awakened with terrible memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a great, like, storytelling, or if you need to find someone out, find some information out, uh, Spell. Magic's pretty rare in the sense that you have to like roll to find a scroll when you start. And if you start with the scroll, like your other rolls are worse because you kind of have like that bonus to them. Yeah. Uh, There's omens, which are kind of like the luck mechanic in the sense that you can spend these omens uh, to deal maximum damage with one attack, reroll your die, lower damage dealt to you, neutralize a critter fumble, or lower uh, one test's requirements by four. Uh, so that's a fun little way to kind of not be beholden to the dice at all times. You only get one or two of them when you start, uh, and and you get but you you get them back after you rest for like six hours. So it's it'll help you if you have them. <laughs> yeah, if you're able to rest, and and one thing I forgot to bring up when we were talking about the resting mechanic that I really like is that rest doesn't count if you don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you know big part of the game I mean, the core of the game is staying alive until the end of the world and that requires sustenance um so finding food using the food that you already have and i think a lot of people especially you know people who really have only played D, resting's kind of like a given you can take a short rest or a long rest and mm-hmm. everything's a-okay uh but 
I like that in this game, like, even arrest is not a sure thing. Like, if you're not eating or if you're infected with something, you're either not regaining anything or actively getting worse. Yeah, and, and also, like, having the food, the whole food and water thing typically is also kind of, like, just hand-waved away. Unless you're playing in, in a game that's, like, set in a desert where you have to, like, have these things. But, um, because your characters can only carry so much, and not the sense, like, oh, I can carry... 95 pounds of gear it's like no you can carry like five eight items things. yeah <laughs> yeah what are, what are those eight things you're carrying you know your your sword and your shield and your armor are those are three things yeah there's there's, there's a definite um weight to having like food and drip most other games don't really stress which some people like that some people don't i think because this game's kind of built around those um mechanics it's like it's fine it's like that's that's what you should expect like sitting down from this game. Uh Claire, why don't you roll on the uh these random traits uh, and see what uh see what you have for your for your character. So I will roll two d20s. Uh so I have a 15 so I am ruthless and a 9 I am conflicted. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So you got those. Are, those are your terrible traits. Uh, and there's also one for broken bodies. Why don't you roll on broken bodies? Yeah, I want to see how how my body is broken. Ooh, twenty. Twenty nails cracked and black, maybe about to drop off. I would say that's probably more than a maybe at that point. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, what are your bad habits? Oh, I think I'm gonna roll myself two bad habits. So that just feels <laughs> a little bit more on brand. 2d20. Alright, a 10 and a 5. So, cannot tolerate criticism of any kind. Results in rage and weeping. That seems a little too pointed. Not a fan of that. Uh, and also a nihilist. Again, I feel like the uh, dice parser bot really just wanted to uh, call me out here. Yeah. I mean, and these ones, like, don't like these things don't uh beat around the bush like um won't use a blade without testing it on your own flesh arms knitted with scars oh i i didn't realize that my nihilist had a second part on the other side of the h so not only am i a nihilist but i insist on telling everyone why i am a nihilist and explaining it <laughs> wait what's your bad habit R roll yourself a bad habit <laughs> this this review got uh, unexpectedly real <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 14. Pyromaniac. And yeah. my second one. Uh, you giggle insanely at the worst possible times, which, okay. I think not that ridiculous. Just in, in, like, reading through all of these, I think number seven is my favorite. Best friend is a skull. Carry it with you. Tell it everything. You trust no one more. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's just uh, beautiful. Yeah. You pick your nose so deep it bleeds. It's just so good. You make jewelry from the teeth of the dead, if this can be considered a bad habit. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, every RPG group, it's like, well, you meet in a tavern is sort of the stereotypical, like, how your adventure starts. So there's a table called Troubling Tales. The whole group can share the same backstory, or groups within the group can share a tale. Or the GM can quickly give history to a seamlessly mundane character. Roll d20 or throw a knife at the page to the right. And the page to the right is sectioned out in grids. So you could throw a knife. Which yeah. we are a, a knife-based podcast, <laughs> we, as we have established. So we need to print this out. And, we, yeah. and when we get together, we need, we need to throw a knife at it. Yeah, and... I, 100%. I, I don't want to do it since I'm reading the PDF on my computer right now. I don't want to sacrifice a monitor to this. But it would feel very on brand for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I really, really like uh, eleven, which is a puzzle cube has been calibrated incorrectly, or has it awakening a slumbering abomination? Pursued by manslaughter, pursued for manslaughter, there is a bounty. So, like, there's your little like adventuring hook as far as like what's going on with your group or whatever. So, um. Arcane Catastrophe is the hardest fit page to read in this entire book, and the book makes fun of you because it knows yes. it is. You read it wrong, you literate fool. Because the way that the... Like, we have the 70s 
neon pink on yellow prog rock font. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, and it's just a list of just ridiculous magical mishaps. My favorite being, your skin tatters like paper, your flesh melts like wax, and your intestines bloat like balloons, (laughs) bursting and falling out until all that is left is a walking, talking skeleton. Which I guess that means you're still alive. Yeah, I really like, um, you feel fine. It's fine! And then in, in hot pink italics it says, you pulsate with a magical STD. Those intimate with you will die of plague within D4 days, then rise as a weeping zombie who tracks you down in your dreams before finding you in reality. I think that's the plot of It Follows. Yeah, <laughs> probably. 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 I mean, because that's, that's kind of what the movie's a metaphor for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you and a random creature nearby pass out. When you wake up, your souls have switched. Welcome to your new flesh. And then we get to, like, we are now over halfway into the book and, like, halfway through, pretty much at the end of all the rules. And there's like, oh, yeah, you can have some classes if you want, I guess. So we have our random um, classes, which kind of fall into, like, the RPG standards. But they're all, like, very perverse, in a sense. Like, the fighter is this fang deserter who, you know, gets bonuses to strength, um, but isn't that agile and doesn't have a has lower presence, but might have teeth that they can bite with because they're <laughs> blades. And if you take a, uh, if you take one of these classes, you get you know uh, bonuses to your stats, and you you might have a magic ability or an item that um, uh, you know makes your character better or at least kind of unique. They're pretty powerful, some some better than other, but you know they're they're kind of just. They're fun, like, and all the art in this is is very different, very distinct. Gutterborn scum, uh, which is like your like roguish kind of character, um, stealthy, esoteric hermit. That feels very max. <laughs> what esoteric hermit? <laughs> yeah, hermit. <laughs> the stone of your cave is one with the stars. Silence and perfection. Now the chaos of a fallen world disturbs your rituals, and the call of night grows blacker than your cavern's gloom. Irritating. <laughs> wretched royalty but this is one of the few games that lets you actually play as a royal even though you're not playing doing pops of vindemir i really want to be the occult herb master (laughs) born of the mushroom raised in the glade watched by the eye of the moon in a silver black pool yeah that's kind of cool you can you get to make you have a portable laboratory you make you can make poisons and stuff yeah i'm a really big fan (laughs) and then we get into some basic uh you know bestiary monster manual kind of stuff you know goblins orcs slash not orcs you know various undeads but i just i really like that the goblin is named seth yeah (laughs) that's just charming yeah and even even like the description of the monsters are they're very very brief as far as like here's how much hp they have here's what their attacks do here's how much you get for killing them if they have like you know captured dead or Blood by the leader for the orcs and such. Mm-hmm. Now the orcs have hardened skin, so they got two armor, thirteen HP. They have one of four weapons, and that's about it. They attack twice per round. They're berserkers. That's that's all you need to know about the berserker berserker orcs. Yeah, Lady Porcelain to me is the scariest, the undead doll. Just like mm-hmm. that picture is basically my nightmares. So mm-hmm. that is not something I would want to see coming upon me, even if it was the end of days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some wyvern wickhead knife wielder, which is like this lantern head with a blade who comes after you and turn off all the lights around you, which is kind of fun. And then outcast, like random NPCs who might help you or not help you based off of uh, what you ask them to do. Degenerate dog people, you know, prowlers, various people you might meet on your adventuring travels. And that's the end of... Merkborg, Merkborgs, I already did it once, <laughs> Merkborgs rules. Other than um, Rot Black Sludge or the Shadow King's Lost Heir, ensure an introductory dungeon crawl for Merkborg, which I'm, we're just going to go through this very quickly, but just looking at this, Claire, like, this is not at all laid out like the rest of the book. It is very easy to read. Yeah. It's, it's very much like what you would expect from an RPG book. But also prettier. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very 
concise in how it's laid out and very like it's entirely designed for readability and and that's really what you want with something where there's more rules text on one page than the rest of that book pretty much in some yeah. instances but um neat little adventure that maybe we'll get into at some point here yeah that's why i'm trying not to skip it too much but yeah. <laughs> yeah i do like that they you know as as over the top as they went for the rule book um they kept it pretty straightforward you know just black and white there are still cool fonts and cool page layouts but it's very much there for for readability and comprehension as opposed to just making it look cool and i i took a peek at their website and and all of the scenarios they have up there uh, most of them for free which is great is they're all they're all very simply laid out and you know in addition to what they have you know having the scenarios on the website they have you know a, a random character creator website that like basically does all the ro rolling for you like a bad guy rolling mechanism and like a, a a setting and what your you know quote unquote quest is while you survive mm -hmm. for the end of the day so a lot of that is just available on their website which i think is pretty fantastic yeah, the uh, the back couple pages of the rulebook have sort of like your adventure generators being like, where do you wander? Who or what contacts you? Adventure spark. Uh, you know, mystical ruins are unearthed. Or the dead refuse to stay dead. Um, <laughs> and then some very quick and dirty, like, you know, dungeon generator. Like, who or what dwells there now? What is it called? Distinctive feature. You know, um, obelisk that separates body and soul. I really like the 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 rolling for what is the what is the bedeviled dungeon called? You roll a d12 twice and you can come up with things like the slaughter church or the death maze or yeah. the torture grave. <laughs> so it's I like the doom ziggurat. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then um the final final page of the book is like here's the basic rules like in a in a very neat one a one sheet of like your your they're just like all the mechanics you would need to re to reference. Uh, so you know there's not going to be that that constant flipping back and forth because with this game like you would probably get distracted by the art and being <laughs> like uh, oh yeah what was I, what 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 was I looking for so. But yeah, uh, like you were saying, Claire, about um, a lot of the material being free. Uh, on their on uh, the Merkborg website, uh, Merkborg.com. Uh, there's also a pretty uh, active like fan community of people who make up their own material uh, for the game. I think a couple of them actually might have been in that uh, Ukraine benefit uh, that you got on itch.io. Yeah, I think. I think so too. Yeah, like some monsters or some classes and stuff like that. You know, something to kind of jazz up your game if you're uh, if you want something uh, different, but. Um, yeah, that is Merkborg. Claire, what do you think of this game? Is this something that you would be interested in playing at some point? Or why or why not? Yes. Um, I mean, I think this, it, it has a lot of kind of fun similarities in like the one sentence hook that Delta Green has, where, you know, in Delta Green, what if all government conspiracies were true? Whereas in, in this one, it's, you know, hey, all of the prophecies made by this monk are also coming to pass. Like, everything is true. Have fun. Have, like, go try and survive. So I like I like a game that kind of has that tone of, yeah, you're right. Everything is super fucked. Now you just have to do your best. <laughs> um, I just, I, I like that kind of a vibe from a game. I'm trying to, like check my notes too and see what kind of things I missed, especially in my, my pros, why I want to play this column. Um, I just, I love how straightforward it is for players. Like someone could pick this up, read through it. And then, you know, in 15, 20 minutes, basically be ready to play something. Um, I love that. It's, you know, very atmospheric. Um, it's, you know, at, at first glance, it seems like it kind of has, like a lower mechanical depth, but that kind of allows for the modularity of the game and being able to kind of like include or not include things as you wish to focus on like certain aspects of like a dungeon crawler type game, as opposed to like having to follow the rule book to a T. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like how accessible it is for someone, you know, maybe who doesn't have as much 
Dungeons and Dragons background or other tabletop RPG background. And I love the amount of, you know, community resources and that it's kind of immediate gaming. Um, one thing that I was thinking of, like, as I was reading through this was that it it's, you know, it seems very well tailored to shorter adventures and kind of one-shot sessions. Um, which, you know, makes sense since you're surviving till the end of days. It's not something that would necessarily be a very, very long-term campaign Mm -hmm. um but since it is you know focused more towards specific you know dungeon quests with uh a thing to accomplish before before the world runs out it seems like it kind of makes it harder to like role play or kind of bullshit around in between those dungeony things which the setting is so cool that i would love to like have ways to kind of expand on that more and i think that would just be up to the specific like game master as opposed to like a a negative to the game system itself but mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. the the way you roll to limit the amount of time you have even in existence kind of i guess pushes you more towards that here is your dungeon here is your end goal survive till the end of the world as instead of like now you're going to go to a tavern and go to the next fallen city <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean I, because there's the uh because there's the variable time of how, about how how long the world ends, like you could easily like chain together uh, events. Because like you know, it could be years before the world eventually ends, but you could easily, you know, oh, you finished the intro adventure, now you roll on the calamity tables, and oops, um, uh, what what was the uh, what was the thing? Uh, you know, the all the trees are withering now. So yeah. what are you going to do for food? You live in an area that predominantly is. Uh, you know, orchards and such like that. And uh, got to start yeah. finding other food sources. And mm, <laughs> yeah. that's... And like I said, I think that would just be a case of, like, needing a more experienced game master to kind of lay out that setting. Because, right. obvi- like I said, you know, earlier when we were talking about how, you know, the, the designers don't give a ton of backstory. Like, they give the really great hooky blurbs of backstory, but it's not you know, as fleshed out as, you know, some of the D&D setting books are, which Mm -hmm. I think is great. And it lends to this game's, like, immediate playability. Um, But I think that is where having, you know, a GM who's more experienced in kind of that world building and and tying different quests together would really come in handy. I think that would, that aspect would be a lot more difficult to, you know, someone who's newer to, to moderating and creating games. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always a two way a two way street. Speaking from like the GM side, as far as like, all right, like, so I made an adventure for my players. What did they like about it? Did they like when they had to do that bargaining with the with the guards and stuff? Did they want to do more social stuff, or they just they'd want to go stick their stick their knives in people yeah. and oh, definitely get, get bigger knives. Yeah, it's 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 a two way street for sure between the players and and the GM. Um, I just think in like in the specific specificity of this game because the gm would have to do so much kind of like de novo scene setting because it Mm -hmm. isn't provided in you know the the overall game book it would be a little bit more of that balancing act and maybe it'd be weighted a little bit more towards the gm as opposed to like a very even back and forth especially you know since this game is very new, when people are going to sit down and play it, it's probably going to be all of their first time. So it's going to take the the GM a little bit to kind of get in, you know, the setting and the theme of the game. And it's right, going to take right. the player characters a little bit more to kind of understand how the characters fit into the setting and how, you know, you shouldn't get too emotionally tied to your character because they're probably going to die and you're going to have to make another one like who knows three days into this this adventure if they get you know one stab and you roll a d4 poorly like Mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah well i mean and that's kind of one of the reasons why we we started with delta green is because you you were saying to me like i'm i feel more at ease as a player playing someone in the modern day who either works for the you know the fbi or works in a chemistry lab or something like that because that's 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 easier for people to slot into yeah. as opposed to being like, oh, yeah, I'm a disgraced noble who has, like, the family sword that, you know, drinks blood and, and or whatever, you know. Yeah. So and it's, it seems kind of weird, at least personally for me. And maybe this is just, you know, me 
overthinking as per usual, but to as wildly opposite as like these characterizations are from like a Delta Green character, which feels a little bit more real life. Something, you know, this wild and this out there almost seems easier than like the middle of the road Dungeons and Dragons characters. Yeah. I think especially like going into Dungeons and Dragons, you know, if you're a new player, like there's so much of D&D, especially, you know, characters and classes and races kind of in the cultural zeitgeist where you're like, well, I I know what a rogue is because I've played this video game that's like technically a roguelike game. So like I kind of know what it is. But like now I feel like I have to play it up to like what it resides in in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for this, it's like, oh, this is a world of horrible people and horrible monsters and horrible things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a random horrible person who has these horrible traits and is doing horrible things and just has to survive until this horrible end of the world. So I think the fact that it's like, it's so you know, out of the scope of like a classic RPG where there's mm-hmm. like very well-known character classes and things, it almost makes it a little bit easier because you can just be like, all right, I'm wilding out. This is, I'm just going to play the worst possible person I can imagine and it's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and you're going to have a great time doing it. Exactly. Like, um, I uh, I was recently playing a game of Delta Green with Caleb, our buddy, and uh, we were all like Delta Green in the 70s, like CAA guys. So we were doing things in brazil that we should not have been doing and we were all terrible people and one of our uh there was a a fourth person in the group who was not yet like briefed we'll say and eventually it was just like one of us one (laughs) of us yeah you do the murder and then we're bonded for life (laughs) yep yep so but it was it was a grand old time because it's just like, you know, it's you're having fun. Like Caleb, Caleb even prefaced with like, hey, this is a, this is a prologue game. Some slash many of you slash most of you probably will die. And uh, that that was the case. But it was still like it was still a, a blast. Uh, just, yeah. you know, kind of just like letting loose and being that, um, you know, uh, out of uh, that alcoholic pilot who's, you know, flying below the radar <laughs> on off the coast of uh, Rio. Um, yeah, and I think, and and kind of building off of that, you know, you guys are all probably going to die. I think kind of backing up to what I said earlier that I feel like the way this game is set up, it's more, you know, it's geared more towards one shots and short adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the more I like talk about it out loud, and the more I kind of think about it, I love that because i feel like when i'm playing longer campaigns i need to like baby my character and mm-hmm. like take care of them and be like well i don't want to make this roll right now because what if i hurt myself and i won't be able to do you know this specific action in you know x amount of sessions down the line like i don't want to mm-hmm. use this item because i might need it like oh, three yeah. months from now when yep. we go to this one specific spot on the map Mm-hmm. I think, like, going into this game knowing, like, hey, you have X amount of time before the world ends and then you're gonna die anyways, like, throw shit at the, like, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Like, go crazy. So I think, mm-hmm. I I really like that because I kind of, I think it kind of forces you to be in a situation where you're not, like, hand-holding your character. Yeah, yeah, and I think, like, the the brutality of, like, games like that where it's like you know you have to use that that one time item that makes your attack go up you know you only have so many of them but you might need it to beat this you know this boss or this fight yeah. because like you're gonna get wrecked if if you just hold on to them because oh i'm gonna wait till i actually need to use it yeah and... it's like no use it or die you, yeah that's and you're you gonna it. die anyways you'll just die sooner and you won't accomplish the th- one thing you want to accomplish before the world ends yeah so I think the little blurb on the back of this book is uh, great. Uh, uh, Merkborg, a doom metal album of a game, a spiked flail to the face, rules light, heavy everything else. One day all will blacken and burn, just as the two-headed basilisks have predicted. The world is dying, time is short. How will you face these last days? Robbing graves for soil-stained wealth or facing down the apocalypse, hoping it can be fought? So and I good. think that's a great that's a great way to end this. So yeah. uh 
listeners at home, what do you guys think about Merkborg? Do you, do you want to see us play a game of it? Uh, let us know. Claire, tell the folks at home where they can find us online. Uh-huh. You can find us online at RelatableRoles.com, where you will find access to all of our back episodes. In addition to all the links to our social media, we are Relatable Roles Podcast on Instagram and Relatable Roles on Twitter. Um, we can also be found wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast. If you prefer to listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you please rate and review us uh, with the magic of the algorithm. If you talk about why you like us, hopefully that will find other weirdos who will like us just as much as you do. All right. Yeah. And I will say goodbye with Merck Borg. Jugga jugga wugga. Heavy flail. <laughs> Jugga jugga wugga. <laughs> Merkborg. <laughs> I just, I oh. can't not Swedish chef it, and it makes me so happy because just like the balance of Swedish chef towards like this murderous, like picture that we're currently seeing on the screen mm-hmm. is just so many chef's kisses. Like, I can't picture a better dichotomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, before the pandemic started and I was doing in-person RPGs, I was doing a Call of Cthulhu campaign where about half the group's characters were based off of the Muppets. Uh, so, <laughs> next time you see uh, James or Rob or Ryan, <laughs> ask them about that. So I will. Kayla, Kayla's character was literally named Grover Gumdrop. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, but that's all the time we got for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Label Rolls. Take it easy, no matter uh, what the apocalypse throws at you. See you guys later. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Alistair. Merkborg, Alistair.